Hi folks, as you know, this week is the week we are launching the new podcast, Govern Yourself Accordingly. I wanted to give you a taste of what the new podcast is all about, so we're just going to cut straight into the first episode of the Govern Yourself Accordingly podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe to the podcast now. Just search for Govern Yourself Accordingly on your podcast listening app. This is episode number one of the Govern Yourself Accordingly podcast, the podcast for engaged citizens and public leaders who want to lead change through politics with their integrity intact. My name is Mark Coffin, and I'm your host. Welcome. Together, we will create brave space because there is no such thing as a safe space. We exist in the real world. We all carry scars, and we have all caused wounds. In this space, we seek to turn down the volume of the outside world. We amplify voices that fight to be heard elsewhere. We call each other to more truth and love. We have the right to start somewhere and continue to grow. We have the responsibility to examine what we think we know. We will not be perfect. The space will not be perfect. It will not always be what we wish it to be, but it will be our brave space together, and we will work on it side by side. The poem you just heard is called An Invitation to Brave Space, and it was written by Mickey Scott Bay Jones. That poem is read at the beginning of each of the people's suppers, suppers that have been happening around the United States since early 2017. The first People's Supper, the first 10 People's Suppers, happened in homes across Washington, D.C. on Inauguration Day, January 20th, 2017. At that time, the project was simply called 100 Days, 100 Dinners, where each dinner would be an opportunity for people who felt divided or hurt by the election campaign to come together for bridging and healing. But the work that happened in those early dinners could not be contained to 100 days or 100 meals. 100 Days, 100 Dinners is now called The People's Supper. And today, on the Govern Yourself Accordingly podcast, the three founders of The People's Supper, Lennon Flowers, Reverend Jennifer Bailey, and Emily May, they join me to talk about the kind of conversations they've been having and organizing across difference and across the United States. When the four of us had a chance to speak, we were all in different places, so unfortunately we couldn't share a meal. But I asked them each to introduce themselves as if we were all around the same dinner table. They all know something about starting things. In addition to founding the People Separate Together, each of them are the co-founder or founder of the organizations they run. Lennon Flowers is the founder of The Dinner Party, an organization which... Which ostensibly to the world and is known as a community of mostly 20 and 30-somethings who've each experienced some form of a major loss and typically a death loss and connect around potluck tables to talk about it. Um, And I think, you know, the short answer of, you know, why you do what you do um, as uh, the better answer than the what uh, oftentimes um, is just, I hate small talk um, and believe very deeply (laughs) in the fact that all of the things that we spend our time not talking about um, are the things that are most important to talk about and um, and really Mm. dedicated to how to create low barrier spaces in which humans can be human with one another. Reverend Jennifer Bailey is the founder and executive director of the Faith Matters Network, which is... Which is a people of color collective based in the American South that works to empower what we would call 21st century spiritually rooted justice-oriented leaders to build more equitable communities. If I was a dinner party, I probably wouldn't say all that. I would just say (laughs) simply um, 
that I'm in the business of empowering rad folk to do good work and build communities in the world. And Emily May is the co-founder and executive director of Hollaback, an organization dedicated to fighting harassment in all its forms. I do this work because I believe in people being who they are and having the right to be who they are, no matter where they are. Um, and I think that uh, that part of the reason I got hooked up with um, these two amusing women um, is because around the time of the election, I started to wonder if it wasn't enough for us just to not harass each other. That I've been told for so long that that was like too ambitious of a goal. And then all of a sudden I was like, no, no. Not only is that not too ambitious, that is not enough. Um, we actually need to figure out um, how to go beyond that and, and deeply see and care for one another. Um, and so, uh, you know, together, the motley crew of us launched the People's Supper right after the election. The funny thing is when Lennon started doing the dinner party full time, I was so happy for her and I was so bummed because I was like, gosh, you know, like their organization focuses on grief. They're, we do like really nothing in that space. Um, I'm never going to, we're never going to be able to collaborate on anything. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only emotion that I could, I could really point my Put a finger on um, before the election and after the election um, was this emotion of grief, right? I was very plugged into the trauma side of things. And so what I was watching were people who had experienced, um, you know, uh, uh, trauma being, being triggered and having that trauma um, <clears throat> uh, being reignited through the election. Mm. But even in, uh, inside of that, even for folks who hadn't experienced that degree of trauma, there was just this grieving of like this losing of one another. Um, and so it was in that spirit that I was like, I know somebody who knows about grief. <laughs> I know one person literally who knows something about grief. Um, and so uh, reached out to Lennon, the locus of all things wonderful. <laughs> And at the time, it was interesting because, you know, that was under the expectation that we would wake up um, after Election Day in a very different world um, than the one that it turned out we woke up to. Um, but it felt really important. I think that, um, you know, both on an individual person to person kind of level and culturally, so often our impulse um, is to, you know, just move on, right? Um, and, you know, I spend my waking hours, um, you know, and many of my evening hours around dinner tables um, in that kind of um, recognition space that there is a difference between moving forward and moving on. And that actually like when we try to wipe things under a rug and pretend that they didn't happen and there was so much grief and hurt um, in the wake of simply the election cycle, I think it's hard oftentimes to remember um, what 2016 was against the backdrop of 2017 now. Um, mm. But that impulse and that need um, for communities to gather and come forward in what Emily at the time was calling this kind of moment of truth um, felt so, so important. Um, you know, and, and the recognition that this isn't an experience to be done alone and in isolation and with your, you know, getting your own self-care on, um, but actually one that's really dependent on, um, you know, our ability to gather in community um, and to gather and to hear each other. And then um, the election happened um, and it felt in that moment, um, the recognition um, that uh, we woke up in a moment of, um, this moment of apocalypse and the meaning of that term um, has only become clear for me um, through through John's work. Yeah, so, so I'm a preacher, <laughs> so I think <laughs> a lot about um, the end of times. 
And one thing that kept coming up for me in the wake of the 2016 in the presidential election in the U.S. is this image of apocalypse, um, not kind of the stuff of aliens coming to Earth and ending the world as we know it. But we know um, that the Greek root of the word apocalypse actually means to uncover. And I think what was uncovered in that moment for a lot of people in the United States was just how deeply frayed the ties that um, tie together our democracy really are. Mm. And that there were a whole lot of folks interested post-presidential election in a conversation about reconciliation. But reconciliation assumes that you have relationship to begin with. And I can say for myself, as a Black woman, um, born and raised in the United States and who is the direct descendant of slaves, um, I think there is a way in which we assume relationship in the U.S. as this great cultural melting pot when really we haven't really touched each other. And I mean that both because of policies that keep us segregated from one another and where we can live and because of the way our school systems are structured that keep us apart from one another. And so Mm -hmm. The work then becomes, what does it look like for us in this apocalyptic moment to revision what the American dream can be? When for a lot of folks who've lived on the margins, we've known that the American dream was a myth for a very long time. It just feels like everybody else is catching up. We've talked a lot about how the three of you got together and decided to work together. Uh, Maybe just to take a step back, what, what is the People's Supper? Um, I mean, the People's Supper um, was this this idea that that maybe maybe if we could see each other more deeply, um, that it wouldn't necessarily change our policy opinions, but it might change the way that we see each other. Um, and um, you know, I read something before the election by Eric Liu um, that was really helpful to me. It was. Um, it was this piece about, um, you know, truth and reconciliation and how, you know, a rush to reconcile after the election. And remember, this is back when we were all, you know, checking our New York Times apps daily and seeing that Hillary was most definitely going to win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that a rush to reconcile post-election um, could actually further entrench injustice because of, you know, this, the, of what Jen's talking about, right? Because now we have seen something, we have uncovered something, um, and we, we can't actually unsee that anymore. Mm. And so if we just try and be like, well, let's pretend like that didn't happen. Let's just try and go back to the way things used to be when we were all getting along, you know, then we're not actually seizing the opportunity to look at what's wrong, to look at mm. what's dividing us. Okay, that's it. There's more to the episode than that, but that's your teaser. If you'd like to hear the rest, head over and subscribe to the Govern Yourself Accordingly podcast wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. You can also listen to it at springtide.ngo slash GYA1. That's for Govern Yourself Accordingly, episode one. Episode two is also up now. <laughs>